your opportunity to listen and learn from the most successful people driving growth and success in Palm Beach County and beyond. Welcome to the Business in Paradise Palm Beach podcast with Carrie Stamp, founder of Carrie Stamp and Company, Principled Wealth Advisors. Carrie and his guests share stories and insights from Palm Beach County's most successful executives, entrepreneurs, and community leaders. Learn how they made it to where they are today, what principles guide them, how they mentor others to achieve success, and more. Hello, this is Carrie Stamp. I'm your host for the Business in Paradise podcast. And my guest is somebody that I've known for quite a bit of time. Her name is Robbie Journey, and she is the president and CEO of the Quantum House, which is right here in West Palm Beach, Florida. And Robbie runs an organization that uh, many of our listeners may or may not have even heard of. But uh, Robbie Journey, welcome to the Business in Paradise podcast. Thank you, Carrie. It's a perfect day to do it too. Look at that sunshine. You know, you can't see it because uh, if you're listening to us, it's an absolutely gorgeous mm. day in the middle of April in uh, Tequesta, Florida at the studio. And we're looking outside and thinking what a paradise it is to live in Florida. Robbie, why don't we just start out with that? How did you get to Florida? I've been in Florida since I was 10, but before that, my family used to travel back and forth from Maryland. We had a place here and would come down in the summer. And when my father retired, we moved to Florida and I've been here ever since. So I've lived here really all my life, born and raised here, went to Cardinal Newman High School, went away to college, but came back. So this is where I've been. So your father retired when you were 10 years old? Yes. Okay. And when you came down here, did you have other siblings that were your age? I had one older sister. They took her out of high school when she was a senior. And just can I tell all your listeners, never take your daughter out of her senior year of high school and move her far, far away. <laughs> because It was very difficult. I was delighted to move, but it was much difficult for her. I can imagine that was a challenge. Yes. Uh, I know our daughter, Sarah, who is just graduating from college this year, would have killed us. Oh, yeah. Uh, if we had moved her in the middle of high school or, or at some point. Once, once you've already got your social group established, that's got to be tough. So you come down from Maryland. Did you move to Palm Beach County? I actually grew up in the north end of the county. So I've lived either Lake Park, North Palm Beach, Palm Beach Gardens. That's all sort of been my stomping ground my whole life. And most recently have lived in Tecosta. So did you go away to school once your high school? Uh, I did. Was over? I went to Spring Hill College, fine Jesuit institution in Mobile, Alabama. It was interesting to live in Alabama for four years, but I was really ready to come home. This is really where my heart is, where my love is. When I moved here, that's when my social life started. So I have friends that I've been friends with since I was 10. So it's it's a, been a terrific place to live. And Robbie, I have to tell you, the second person, you're the only the second person I know that's gone to Spring Hill College. <laughs> there aren't a lot of us. <laughs> no. The other one was a friend of mine from Columbia, mm -hmm. whose uh, father brought him to Spring Hill College. He was a good golfer, uh, and they wanted him to uh, be on the golf team, but he didn't necessarily have a lot of direction, and he, the father figured that Spring Hill most likely would straighten him out, and it did a pretty good job. I don't think he's the only one that ended up at Spring Hill for that particular reason. Okay. So, yeah, he was, <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a pretty common story. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. Good. So, what did you study at Spring Hill and you, you graduate from there after studying what? You know, I'll be really honest. My major was chosen based on which area had the least amount of math. I'll be perfectly honest with you. 
don't like math, never like math, just hoped that that wasn't something that I had to do all my life. So I'm a communication arts major, and I loved it. I, you know, had an opportunity to do a lot of different things. I was editor of my college newspaper, and when I came back to Palm Beach County and started working, I got into back into that business. I actually worked at Channel 5 for a couple of years in their production department when um, Bill Brooks was there. And just kind of stayed in that world, you know, that marketing, writing, communicating kind of world. So that was your first job, moving mm-hmm. back to Palm Beach. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you come back to Palm Beach, you uh, go into the media industry. How long did that last? Let's see, that probably lasted for about five or six years. Okay. And then the best job that I've ever had in my life came after that when I became a mother. And I have two children, my, my daughter Allison and my son Alex. And uh, my husband and I lived here in West Palm Beach, and I had the great fortune for the first, you know, seven, eight years of my children's lives, I worked in the home and was able to drive them back and forth to school and be a room mother and do all those sorts of fun things. And it was really a very special time. Fantastic. And where are Allison and Alex now? They are both in Palm Beach County. In fact, my children will tell you that neither of them has lived more than five miles off of North Lake Boulevard their entire lives. Wow. So they both went away to school and they both came home and they live and they work here and they own homes here. So I'm grateful. I'm one of those parents that has their children in town. I'm I'm not that sad mom who's got to travel across the world to see your kid and does anybody call you grandmother yet no no sir okay no sir that hasn't happened yet but you'll be one of the first to know when it happens (laughs) (laughs) all right now i'm looking forward to to it also sarah's only 22 so i'm gonna give her i'm gonna give her a little uh a little time right uh before she gets to that point right okay all right so after the kids are seven or eight years old Mm -hmm. you go back to work I went back to work and I found myself working for a very dear friend of mine, Shannon Materio, who owns she and her husband owned McMal Art Glass down in Lake Worth. And I did business development and that's when I think I realized that I had an ability to sell. I actually think each of us is a salesperson in our own right. We all have something that we're selling. We all exist and are successful because of good customer service, because we do what we say we're going to do. I don't care if you're in the nonprofit world and you're a fundraiser or you are a financial advisor or I don't care what you're doing. If your customer's not happy, you're out of business. That's absolutely right. In fact, when I started this firm, I came up with what we call the seven primary principles. And principle number one is deliver. Amen. You tell somebody you're going to do something, you just do it. And for me, I think I'm kind of biased. It's kind of a Midwestern value. (laughs) I don't see it as much, quite frankly, in South Florida as I did in the Midwest. Your word was your bond. If you told somebody you're going to do something, it happened. Especially in some of the trades businesses down here, it's hard to get folks to show up and it's hard to get them to show up on time. Some of it's because there's a lot of distractions, and I get that. And some of it's just because a lot of these folks are busy. But set expectations. And if you're not going to be able to do something, at least call the person and uh, tell them, hey, we have to delay this, and here's the reason why. But we're, we're acknowledging that we're still working on it. That's so critical to uh, just be able to do what you told people you were going to do. So you're selling. You're working for your friend Shannon. Mm -hmm. And from there, what happens? So I did that for a number of years, and I really, really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, The art glass business is a very unique business. It's clearly a business that um, nobody needs 
lead glass. So it was a lot of church work and synagogue work and people who did beautiful high-end home um, private installations. It was it was really a lot of fun. Plus, we had fun. You know, you work in an art studio and you have crazy artistic people around, and it was just it was it was a lot a lot of fun. And in fact, Shannon is one of my dearest friends. Our children grew up together. You know, we did a lot of Easter egg hunts together with our kids. So we go we go way back. Um, so I did that for a number of years. Worked for a while as a freelance writer. I wrote for the Shiny Sheet for ten years in their food section. I wrote for Florida Design and some of the other magazines and Gulfstream Media. But that's really kind of always where I. I've been just kind of in that marketing communicating world and have really really enjoyed it so when you say food writer does that mean food critic also no so the shiny sheet on Thursday runs their food section and so when a new editor came in at that particular time she wanted to there had been a food editor there for many years she was kind of an institution at the shiny sheet and Shiny Sheet being the Palm Beach Daily News. Right. So for the listeners that don't know right. what the Shiny Sheet is, it is the newspaper that goes out to the island. Right? Correct. Correct. Okay. And what she wanted to do was put sort of a stable of writers together. There were three of us. And we sort of rotated. And I will tell you something. I worked for this woman for 10 years. I never met her. We communicated solely through email. I would pitch stories to her. She would say, okay, this is when they're due. I'd write the story. I'd do the food. we do photography. And that was that. And it was actually one of the most fun things that I ever did. And then, for some reason, for some really crazy reason, I became a real estate agent. But I now looking back on it, I know why I did it. I think everybody at some point in their career, if they're selling anything, needs to learn how to sell real estate. Because I think if you can do that, you, you learn all the things you learn prospecting, you learn how to set appointments, you know how to deal with objections, you know how to work with people. I do that every day in my life, and I would suspect that most of your listeners do as well. That's just common business, that's just common sales. Um, but sometimes I, my husband and I laugh, he used to be a realtor many years ago. You never ask somebody a question that they can say no to. So when you're setting an appointment, the joke is, would five be good or six be better? You never say, is five okay? Because they could say no. So you just give them the two choices and they have to pick one. So we laugh all the time about, is would five be good or six be better? You can't say no to that, right? Nope. <laughs> I learned that a long time ago. I started my career in in Iowa and I would uh, prospect people that lived out in the country. A lot of times they were farmers mm -hmm. and I would say the same thing. I could be there on Tuesday morning, but if that doesn't work, I could probably make Wednesday afternoon available. You know, would you have a preference to either of those two? And I'd trudge out sometimes to the middle of a farm field mm. uh, to talk to uh, somebody on their tractor if I thought they had some, <laughs> some money to put in to whatever bonds right, I happened to right. be selling at that time. So you do what you do what you have to exactly uh, at the time, which is kind of funny because when I moved down here to Florida. In 2006, I still had a business in Chicago. I commuted back and forth between Chicago and South Florida, but I was only in Chicago one week a month. And then the financial crisis happened in 2007, 2008, and things got a little bit slow for a while, and I was trying to reinvent and figure out where I was going to take my business and, and what direction and how I was going to redevelop down here. And one of the things that I did was I went and I got a real estate license. And I got my license through the Kai's company. Mm -hmm. uh, and at the 
time I did that, the managing agent of the office that I was in on, I think it was PGA Boulevard, was Gary Vonk, who is related to you how? He's my husband. So it was like this small world 15 years ago when I got my real estate license. He happened to be the broker Mm -hmm. of uh, that office. And it was just kind of all these weird little coincidences that that makes this such a a small town. Very small, big town. Yeah. So when did you get your license? So I got my license in 05. Okay. Did that for a few years. And I enjoyed it in that I learned so much. I learned a lot more about the county. I learned a lot more about sales. I learned more about, because you're basically running your own business. And then my opportunity with Quantum House came about. And that was really probably the most important decision I ever made in my life. So was that before there was even a Quantum House? Do you want to hear the real story? Yeah. Okay. So I'll tell you the the real story in an abbreviated form. So I'm a member of the Junior League of the Palm Beaches. And one of the committees that we had was, and again, the Junior League of the Palm Beaches is a volunteer organization of women. And our job is to do volunteer work in the community. And so one of our committees, community research, one of their jobs is tasked with finding needs in Palm Beach County that need to be met. Things that aren't here that let's figure out a way to make them happen so that we can take care of more people. And there was literally a group of women, six women, sitting around a table, and they realized that there was not a pediatric healthcare hospitality house. Um, Many folks, the first thing they think of with that is a Ronald McDonald house. And there was nothing like that here in Palm Beach County. The closest Ronald houses were in Miami or Orlando, but nothing here nearby. And so the group moved forward with that idea, and I had the really good fortune of being a part of that group. And we opened the house in May of 01. And originally, we actually were going to be a Ronald house. We had made application to Ronald McDonald. They had approved us, and we were getting real close to signing that deal. Um, St. Mary's had offered to give us the land. We had the volunteers in place to make it happen. At that time, when you partner with Ronald, you get the name, you get a lot of support services, but you don't get any funding. And it was about that time that Quantum Foundation which is one of our local foundations formed from the sale of JFK Hospital, they heard of our project and they stepped forward and offered the funding to build the original house. Ronald doesn't share billing. It would never have been the Ronald Quantum House. So we as a group needed to make a decision. Do we partner with Ronald or do we partner with a local foundation, build that community partnership, really have our roots right here in Palm Beach County? And the legend is we kissed the clown and sent him back to Chicago. But nonetheless, that's the the short story of how we got started, which is how we get our name, Quantum House. We are not owned or operated by the foundation. We are not a line item on their on their budget. And neither are we owned or operated by St. Mary's. We're located on the campus, but we own that building. We pay them a dollar a year for that land. So they are a terrific landlord, and we're really happy to be there. So going back to the formation, mm-hmm. so Ronald McDonald says, hey, you can use our name and we can create this agreement, but you have to raise all of the money yourself locally 
we don't source any fundraising for you to put up the building or operate the center. Is that correct? They don't give you the money to buy a building. They don't give you those funds. Now, one thing you're probably aware of is all of the franchisees, the owner operators of the McDonald franchises, they all contribute to the Ronald McDonald houses that are in their district, let's say. So the the restaurants? Correct, the restaurants. So the McDonald's down the street, that franchisee owner, that owner operator, a portion of his proceeds, her proceeds, does go to Ronald McDonald Charities. But for us to do what we wanted to do, we were really starting from ground zero, literally, (laughs) literally. So Quantum Foundation walks in and says, hey, this is aligned with our mission, Mm -hmm. what you want to do here. You need some money to build this building. So tell us what the first part of this was. So you you go out and you build this building. That had to be easy. The first thing we did was we incorporated as a nonprofit, put and assembled an incredible board of directors to get the project started. And I will tell you, there are a million things I can tell you that have made this house successful, but the real key to this house has been the, the people that have sat on our board of directors. Unbelievable humans. But we incorporated, we got our board started, and we hired somebody to oversee the construction of the original house. So we hired a gentleman who worked with us for a number of years, got the house built, got the house open, and served there as executive director for a few years. Okay. So how long did the construction take? Hmm. Construction took maybe a year or so. We opened our doors in May of 01. So we were ready to go, ready for customers in May of 01. That's when the first families walked through the door. That's when the first families walked through the door. And how many, initially when you opened, how many families could you take? Ten. And how many expansions have you had since then? We've done one expansion. We did a 20,000 square foot expansion in 2015. Cut the ribbon on that in 2016. And we now have 30 guest suites that we can serve for families. So describe to the listeners what happens when somebody needs to come to the Quantum House. What's the situation? Why are they there? And what do you do for them? The families that stay with us are the families who woke up this morning and everything was fine and then it wasn't. And they have found themselves in a situation where their child needs to receive some medical care for a serious illness or injury. Um, We have two kinds of guests that stay with us. We have families that had no idea they were gonna be with us. Those are the families who have babies in the NICU, you know, those little itty bitty bitty ones that are born very early. The family whose child was in an accident on I-95 or at the beach or got hit in the head with a baseball, you know, who knows? Those children are staying in the PICU. And those are the families who didn't know they were going to be with us. We also have families who know they're coming because their child's been diagnosed with a specific illness or or injury or a birth defect. So back to living here. When I grew up, when any child needed medical care, the first thing you did is you sure as heck didn't stay in West Palm Beach. You went to Miami, you went to Boston, you went to Philadelphia, you went somewhere else for pediatric care. Well, people are actually coming here to Palm Beach County now for pediatric care. I I will give credit to most of the pediatric facilities in town for doing an exemplary job with recruiting pediatric subspecialties, doctors that do more than just, you know, give your kids their shots and, you know, the pink stuff, the bubblegum stuff when they have a cold. There are families actually coming here to Palm Beach County for care, and there are families 
who are in Palm Beach County that are staying here for care, which is, is really kind of unusual. So, well, unusual to me for somebody that, you know, a long time ago, that just wasn't the case. It, it just didn't happen. The old joke used to be, where's the best place to get health care in Palm Beach County? And the answer was the airport. Pretty much. Yeah. And it's different now. And I think it's important, you know, that your listeners know that there are a lot of a lot of hospitals in Palm Beach County, and they're all owned or operated by different organizations, nonprofit or profit, and they all do the best job that they can to care for the pediatric families. Now, we are on the campus of St. Mary's. Again, we are not owned or operated by them, but I will tell you, they have the really the one and only designated 24-hour pediatric emergency room and children's hospital here in Palm Beach County. So they have the level three NICU, which is where the really little ones are born. And they're also a level one trauma. So that's where Trauma Hawk is going to go if something really bad happens. Um, that's where those families are going to be shipped. So the family gets to the hospital and does the hospital say to them, hey, if you need a place to stay or, or what have you, Quantum House is over here? Is that what's kind of happening and how that's developing? Sometimes it's just that simple. I will give a lot of credit to the nurses. The nurses are really our gatekeepers. They're working with these families. They see what's going on. They see the care that these children need and what these families need. And they'll mention it to the families. This is something that you might be interested in. We work very closely with them. But it's simple from there. They reach out to us. They really carry the one and only criteria that we have is do we have a room? I don't care where these families come from. I don't care who their doctor is. I don't care about the weight of their wallet. I don't care the language they speak. It has absolutely nothing to do with us. We just want to make sure we have a room for them to stay. And that's really our criteria. And at any given time, are there usually rooms available? So we have 30 rooms, and we like to say that we're full when we get to 28 or 29. We always want to keep one or two rooms open because I don't know what's going to happen tonight. And I want to make sure that we have a room tomorrow if somebody needs it. And your comment about not caring where people come from, the last time that I was at uh, the Quantum House and and I took my team down for an activity uh, with some of the kids, some of the kids were from Central America. They were there because they were getting orthopedic procedures Mm -hmm. that they could only get. Or one of the only places they could get it was here from a specific physician here in Palm Beach County. Does that happen a lot, or is it more the case that the the kids that are at the that stay at the Quantum House with their families, or the families that stay at the Quantum House because the kids are in the hospital, are normally from this area? It's a little bit of both, and and I think what's important to remember is even if those even if the families that are staying with us have a zip code somewhere else, those families are here in Palm Beach County. They're living here. They're contributing here. They're spending money here. They're spending time here. This really becomes their home, whether they're here for a week or they're here for a year. It doesn't really matter. This is where they live, and and we become really their sole support system while they're here. Our job, when a family checks in at the house, our job is the minute they cross that threshold, I don't want them to think about where they're going to stay, what they're going to eat, where they're going to do their laundry, how they're going to run their business. We're, We're going to make sure all of that gets taken care of. All we want them to do is to take their energy and focus on their child. Okay. And so, Robbie, your job is president and CEO. So I would imagine that comes with a lot of different responsibilities. I suspect you have to do some fundraising. I suspect you have to do some human resources and people management, maybe even some financial things, even though you don't necessarily like math. What's your day look like? How are you dividing your time? My day is different every day. 
because what the families need is different every day. But I will tell you, you know, I'm one of those people that thought, you know, that line about if you do what you love, it's not a job. I thought that was so incredibly corny. But I'm here to tell you that it's the truth. I don't know why I got put in this position, but I'm here and I love it. And I'm coming up on 15 years as, as I went from being a founding board member, a volunteer to a staff person. And that to me was an extraordinary transition. It gave me the opportunity to really see both sides of the coin to see how something works. But every day is different. You know, it's funny, I got out of my car the other day and there was this palm frond laying in the grass in the median. And I just automatically get out of my car and I pick it up and I throw it over the hedge, like into the gully, into the culvert there. And I got back into my car to get my stuff and I thought, I hope the next person picks up the palm fronds because that's really what the job is. You know, I walk in that door and I have to make sure that that house is beautiful and clean and running as beautifully as it can. It's it's a hotel. I'm run, We're running a hotel is basically what we're doing. But in addition to that, I need to make sure that all of those families are being taken care of, that there are enough activities and things for the kids to do and the caretakers, that there are meals provided, that we have adequate number of volunteers to do a lot of the heavy lifting. We're a small shop. There are only five of us that work there. So, you know, none of us works in a silo. We all just kind of do it as we can. I do a lot of fundraising. I think that working with people, working with supporters, working with the community, really is the, my favorite part of my job. You know, we're not a United Way agency. We don't get any state or federal funding. We're not a recipient of children, you know, Children's Services Council. It's the community that keeps that house open. So you have to go out and raise all the funds to operate the facility every year, is that right? Right. So how do you do that? So we have basically three sources of revenue. They're not exactly even, but they're pretty darn close. One is, like everybody, we have special events because those are the fun things. Special events are a lot of work, but without special events, and we learned this during COVID, if you don't keep your people together, if you don't keep them engaged, boy, it's it's hard. It's really hard. And our people, my whole job is to keep people together. My job is not to isolate people, right? So that the past two years have been very, very challenging as an organization. But for me personally, my job is for everybody to be out and they're sitting around and they're laughing and having fun and living life. But, you know, it's different when you can't assemble and be together. But we do our special events. We do a lot of grant writing, a lot of grant writing. You know, one of the things that foundations have to do, they have to give away their money. And I'm just really happy to be able to help them with that. That's a really fun part of my job. And then I work with individual and corporate donors. And it really is almost exactly a third, a third, a third. And those are the groups that, that support the house. What would you say are signature events that you do to help fundraise? So we have a really amazing culinary event that we do in June. It's called Culinary Creations. We do that in collaboration with the Palm Beach County chapter of the American Culinary Federation. Jeff Sims, who's the executive chef over at the Breakers, is a dear friend and incredible supporter of the house. He chairs it for us. He's our conduit to the ACF. And it's just a great evening of, of dining. He assembles about a dozen ACF chefs, and they prepare an extraordinary meal for all the guests to come. It's a fun fundraiser. And of course, as everybody, we have a golf tournament, but ours is different. It's the Shamrock Classic. We've been doing it for 24 years, and it comes to us courtesy of Mr. Ken Wade. Ken and his family, again, are a couple of the supporters that have really kept 
the doors open for many, many years. So we're about to celebrate the 24 Shamrock. And I'll shout out to Ken Wade. He's a great guy and, and uh, been a longtime friend and somebody that I've always admired. Ken, you know, in uh, Palm Beach County, for listeners that have been around here for a long time, used to have a restaurant called Harpoon Louis. Harpoon Louis. <laughs> and then after that, for a very long time, he was the uh, proprietor of Patty Max, which is at uh, Military Trail and PGA Boulevard. So a lot of folks have been to Patty Max, probably some have been at Patty Max too late in the evening. And uh, Ken's been a huge advocate for Quantum House. Every time I talk to him, he talks about it and he talks about the uh, the golf event that he set up uh, many, many years ago. So I'm happy to be someone over the years who has supported you have that. And we're grateful for that. Thank and, you. And, and been involved in what Quantum House does. So you live in Palm Beach County. I think we both agree, looking outside right now, that this is paradise. And like you said, your kids chose to move back here. You chose to stay here. Uh, Robbie, you've also been involved in a lot of leadership activities in Palm Beach County and outside organizations. One of them that we've shared together that you've probably been in longer than I have is uh, Leadership Palm Beach County. And I know that you were also you know, recently the chair of the board of Leadership Palm Beach County. Tell me about your involvement in that organization and how that's helped you both personally and professionally. Leadership Palm Beach County is probably one of the best programs that you can find here in town. And I say that with a thousand percent confidence. You know, when, when I, one of my friends, Jim Sugarman, who is a past president of leadership, he wanted me to go to a recruitment session. This was in 2010. And I'm like, no, Jim, I don't have time. But I went, and I called him the next day, and I said, Jim, I love you, but those are not my people. Their heads were so big, they could barely fit through the door. They are so full of themselves. Well, fast forward a year later, I was in the class, graduated from the class, loved the program, sat on the board, chaired the board, and those really are my people. Um, it's, It's a group of people who really understand and want to understand what goes on here in Palm Beach County. And I was one of the smarty pants who was sure that I didn't have to do it because I lived here. I didn't, I know everything about Palm Beach County. What could I possibly learn? And I'll tell you, it was extraordinary, the amount of, of things that you learn. Not only that, it's just the access that you get to people. You know, people laugh and say leadership is a little bit of a cult, and maybe it is. But I, I think that if you call somebody up and they know that you've gone through leadership and you can say, hey, I'm the class of 2010, they're going to take your call. I don't know why. I do. Not only has that been successful, just for me personally, making friends and, and so forth. I have a lot of business constituents that have come from that. I have several board members right now that we have recruited that I know from leadership, and I wouldn't know them otherwise. And there are people that you can trust. There are people that, for the most part, are very ethical, that want to move the ball forward, and they want to do good things here in Palm Beach County. And I don't think you can ask for any more than that. No, and, and it's ironic. I was in actually the class of 2011, so the year right, right after, after you. Right after me. And I got in the same room as you did with all these people, and I was like, these people don't get it. These are nonprofit people and government people. I do not understand them. But the whole idea is to throw all of us together mm-hmm. so that we can look at some of the issues that are going on in the community. What are we doing about housing affordability? What are we doing about water quality preservation? What are we doing about crime in certain parts of the county or homelessness or other issues that people need to collaborate from both government, business mm-hmm. and industry and nonprofit? And that's what, for me, has been uh, 
really, really engaging with the leadership program. And the reason why I encourage the people that work here at the firm to go through the leadership Palm Beach County program. And um, they've had phenomenal success and they've met people that they never would have met or never would have had the ability to be able to access. My friend Steve Rittmiller, who was uh, probably in your class, maybe either. He was. He, Steve, Steve was in my class, yeah. Steve said to me, Carrie, you need to join Leadership Palm Beach County. I said, why, Steve? It's probably like your friend that's telling you you need to go in it. He said, well, he had just moved here, and he just moved to South Florida from Pittsburgh, and he knew I'd just moved here just, uh, from Chicago. He said, you're networking right now, but Leadership Palm Beach County is like networking on steroids. <laughs> That's a good description. Because you spend a whole day with these people, uh, 10 days a year, essentially. You're, mm-hmm. you're out on, and then you have a retreat for a couple of days. You're getting to know people on an incredible level. And one of my good friends to this day is Cressman Bronson, who mm-hmm. was in my leadership class. And we still play golf together every few weeks. We've got a Scotland trip on the agenda for this summer. And I wouldn't have met him if I uh, hadn't gone through the uh, Leadership Palm Beach County program. So, and in, in not only that, but a lot of the nonprofit people and the politics people, I'm still in touch with those folks from my class. So shout out to the team at uh, Leadership Palm Beach County and, and uh, the, the current director, Greg Quattlebaum, is doing a great job. The uh, folks there continue that organization. So if you were a young person, not that you're not, but if you were a young person in your 20s or something like that, and you were thinking, I want to get into a career in nonprofit management and run an organization like uh, Robbie does, what advice would you give that person? Run it like a business. Yes. There's this misconception that nonprofits are not really a business, that there are, in a lot of ways, we don't have a lot of value to other businesses. And you don't have time for me to get on my soapbox, but I have a really big soapbox about this. If you don't run your business, and I don't care what it is, I don't care if you're doing what I do or what you do, if you don't, I mean, I have a budget, I have salary to meet, I have insurance to pay, I have customers that I have to make happy. And to your point, if you don't do what you say you're going to do, you're going to lose your customer base really, really quickly. My customers are the families who stay with us, the volunteers that support us, and then all the other supporters that come along with that. But I think that's the most important thing. You know, nonprofit people have a tendency to, you know, if I was standing next to Carrie Stamp, and we were meeting somebody new. Kerry Stamp would put his hand out and introduce himself and say, hi, I'm Kerry Stamp, financial advisor, blah, blah, blah. And the person would say, hi. I introduce myself to that person. I say, hi, I'm Robbie Journey. I'm with Quantum House, nonprofit. Nine times out of 10, they go, oh, like it's this cute little thing that I'm doing. You know, a lot of times they turn their head like a puppy, you know, when you whistle real loud and a puppy turns its head because it's a cute little thing. Then they pat me on the shoulder because there's just a lack of credibility sometimes, I think, with people that run nonprofits. And that absolutely makes me crazy because we should be business people. I should have a seat at any table. Not me personally, but my business should have a seat at any table, whether it's leadership, if it's a chamber, whatever organization, because I have just as much to offer as what a lot of people would think a real business has to offer. That's the misconception that 
troubles me. Okay, so that's what you would tell somebody. Yes. Do you think it's a misconception or do you think it's that there's some validity to it because in the nonprofit world, a lot of nonprofits don't run like a business? Oh, I, I think a lot of it's justified. I absolutely do. What I would like to do is grab all those people by the back of their neck and sit them down and say, listen, stop that. Stop it. I've been involved in organizations where I said, I want to bring a donor over next Thursday. And they've said, no, we're busy that day. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's when you say, what time, what time would you like to bring him? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'll be here. (laughs) I want to bring a donor over. No, we're busy that day. No, Uh, that's not how it works. That's just. That's not how it works. That boggles Would you like to bring him to Quantum House? Because I'll be there whenever you'd like me to meet him. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. So along those same lines, if you're saying run it like a business, Mm -hmm. and this is the Business in Paradise podcast. Are there business strategists, mentors, books, podcasts, things that you read or have read or keep in touch with that you would say, hey, young people, look at this material, read this book. These these have been instrumental in my career. So I have I have an issue with the word mentor. You know, when I was growing up, there weren't mentors. There were just people that let you kind of listen and pay attention. And it happened very organically. I think sometimes when people say I'm your mentor, it's almost a little bit forced, like they have some magical power. I don't think they do. I think we all do, but not specifically. For me coming up, joining other organizations and seeing what their value was and finding that person that I felt like I could talk to or make a connection with. And you have to be bold. You have to be able to walk up to somebody and stick your hand out very confidently and say, hi, I'm Robbie Journey. You have to be able to do that. That's to me the first step. And it's it paralyzes some people, but I, uh, it's like everything. You do it a few times and it starts to get easier. That's really, really important. From a fundraising perspective, um, there's a gentleman by the name of Dennis Stefanacci. And Dennis was with us when we got Quantum House started. And um, at the time, he was the CEO of Intercoastal Healthcare Systems Foundation. I don't know how many millions of dollars Dennis has raised in his lifetime, but he sat down at my calendar one day and he drew the life cycle of a donor. And he did that for me when I was about two months into my job. I still have it on my wall. I look at it all the time and realize it's not just about a donor. It's really about anybody that you come in contact and anybody that might be a supporter of the house. And I really do look at everybody as a potential supporter of the house there's nothing it's not about money it's really just about caring and and wanting to help these families that's that's really what it is you know podcasts besides yours i pretty much listen to true crime oh yeah so yeah yeah i i'll listen to all like sword and scale and all those crazy ones because that's kind of where i i vacation in that world some of them Um, are pretty cool some of them are pretty cool and i and i've read a few books but I, I really think that sometimes people get a little too full of themselves and make it seem much more complicated than it is. I really believe that if you do what you say you're going to do, right, if you do it and you hold up your end of the deal, that's kind of the magic of the whole thing. People have to trust you. I don't care what you're doing. People have to trust you. And the minute the minute you feel that connection, you have to nurture it and you have to build it. I don't take any of our relationships for granted. There are 6,000 nonprofits in Palm Beach County. 
Now, not all of them are in health and human services. Some are churches and school groups and art centers and so forth. There are 6,000 nonprofits in Palm Beach County that would love to have all of my supporters. And it's my job to make sure that our supporters are happy and content and feel really good about what they do for us. That's great. Robbie, is there anything that's on the agenda for uh, Quantum House that you say, hey, I need some more supporters for right now? Well, last Monday was a huge red letter day for us. We had not had volunteers in the house for more than two years. And that was very, very difficult for us. We had had, up until that point, every day we had volunteer groups in the house, either preparing meals with our Chef for a Day program, um, pet therapy programs, other people coming in to do arts and crafts with the children, reading to them, and that stopped. It just, the the gate came down and it was it was finished. But starting last week, we've been bringing dinner groups back into the house and um, volunteers back in the house. So it's been extraordinary. I, I think that everybody, you know, people say, well, what can I do? What what can I what can I do? Well, whatever your gift is, that's what we need. Whether you cook, whether you want to hold a fundraiser, when whether you want to do magic tricks, I don't care what you do. It's a great diversion for the kids. I have a real heart for the caretakers too. You know, these people that are taking care of these children, not just the sick child, but all the siblings that come with it. Those people don't ever take a break. They don't complain. They're not going to tell you if, they, if they're if they tired. They're not going to tell you that their back hurts. They're not. They feel guilty. they got to take care of that kid. So I have a real heart for the caretakers and giving them a little break. And I know amongst the corporate community in Palm Beach County, the Chef for a Day program was incredibly popular. Mm-hmm. So for people that don't know what that is or maybe want to come to the Quantum House and volunteer, tell us, what's Chef for a Day? So this will be the most fun thing they've ever done. I'm convinced that food is the universal conduit. I don't care where you come from, but get people around a bunch of food and they're happy and they're content. So our Chef for a Tape program is very simple. Groups will sign on, they'll pick a date. With us, we will help them pick a menu. Groups go out, they do their grocery shopping, they prepare all of their ideas and so forth. It's it's an extraordinary team building opportunity as well you know you might be the boss in the shop but when you get down the house you might be the guy that takes out the trash right so it's really good for for teams to come in and the groups come in and they prepare the meal when when we were closed for for volunteers we still had a chef for a day program pretty much every single day volunteers were still preparing the meals dropping them off at the house ordering meals having them delivered to the house but the purpose of chef for a day beyond you know letting the volunteers have a great opportunity which is extraordinary when those families come back to the house from the hospital when they come back from watching their children going through therapy whatever it is that that child's dealing with they can walk through that door and they know there's a delicious meal waiting there for them. And and I don't know about you, but you know, coming in the house and knowing that dinner's ready can sometimes just take all the rest of it away. It all just kind of falls away. I'm not really into food. Oh. Uh, <laughs> okay. So Okay. No. No. No, that's amazing. And and you're right. It is really a uh, very very fun thing to do to go down and make dinner for the kids and or throw a party for the kids and just have a good time with your business team or your professional organization or your Kiwanis club or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Make your way down to the Quantum House uh, on the campus of St. Mary's Medical Center. This has been a fascinating conversation about your history, about your ties to Palm Beach County, your involvement in Leadership Palm Beach, and all of the things that make the Quantum House 
go from just the germination of an idea at the junior league to this place where you take care of hundreds of families every single year with sick kids. So Robbie, you've given me some great advice over the years and I'm grateful for that. If you don't like the word mentor that you've given advice to or been around with, but don't sell yourself short on the mentorship responsibility or the mentorship front because you're really good at it. So thank you very much. This has been the Business in Paradise podcast. I'm Kerry Stamp, and our special guest today has been Robbie Journey from the Quantum House in West Palm Beach. Thank you, Robbie. Thank you, Kerry. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Business in Paradise Palm Beach podcast with Kerry Stamp, founder of Kerry Stamp and Company, Principal Wealth Advisors. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the Commonwealth Financial Network. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Cary Stamp and Company is located at 110 Bridge Road, Dequesta, Florida, 33469. Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Thank you.